The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. It was February 23rd, 2015, and it started out like any other Monday morning for me. I smacked the alarm two or three times before I finally got up and headed to the bathroom to get ready for work. But when I got there and I flipped on the light switch in the bathroom, I realized very quickly this was not just any other Monday morning. I began to lose consciousness and I reached out to the marble countertop to steady myself. I woke up a few minutes later with bruises on my face where I had bounced my head off that marble countertop on my way down. My response at that point was probably similar to what yours would have been as well. I figured I had to get myself up off the ground. So I started pulling myself up on my knees. A few moments later, I woke up again, laying on the bathroom floor. And I realized at this point, I've got a real problem here. You might think I called out for help at that moment, but I'm a little more stubborn than that. So after two or three more tries, I realized I I wasn't able to help myself and I was going nowhere fast. So I did the next best thing. I started yelling for my wife. Now, to be honest with you, I don't know how loud I was yelling in my semi-conscious state, but I do know she couldn't hear me. She was down in the kitchen getting everybody's lunches ready for the day. And after a few minutes of of yelling, I realized uh, not only couldn't I help myself, but there was no help coming either. Now, I'm ashamed to say it's only at this moment that it crossed my mind, I better start praying. But if I'm being completely honest with you, even in that moment as I pray, what was going through my mind was, I sure hope Jen gets up here soon and finds me. Because the honest truth as I lay there on the bathroom floor was, I didn't actually believe a miracle was on its way. After all, Dave Johnson lying on his bathroom floor simply isn't important enough to warrant the attention and the miraculous intervention of an almighty, all-powerful God. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you've been there, you get the unexpected diagnosis or the boss calls you in the office with the bad news or you're going through a, a family crisis you weren't prepared for or that addiction that you've been struggling with for years is still kicking your butt. But you feel hopeless, helpless. You feel like you've stumbled into shark-infested waters and there is no help on the way and no miracle coming either. After all, we often just feel too insignificant to think that God cares about the details of our life. You know, Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States and the primary author of our constitution, he was so disheartened by his own feelings of insignificance and the insignificance of mankind to God that he actually cut everything out of his Bible that referenced a personal God who was concerned about the details. He cut out the miraculous, he cut it all out. He actually took to the belief that God was nothing more than a cosmic clockmaker who had just set the world, created the world, set it in motion, 
and then just walked away just another day at work. If a great man like Thomas Jefferson felt that insignificant, what chance do you and I have? What about your problems? Jefferson believed that Jesus had great teachings, but he was just a common man, and that God the Father was distant and uncaring. But was Jefferson right? Was Jesus just a common man? Or was he truly God with us, God on this earth? And is God distant and uncaring? Or could it be that Dave Johnson lying on that bathroom floor matters to him? Could it be that the details of your life right here, right now, matter to God? The Bible records in Luke chapter one, God's response to our feelings of insignificance. It's actually a portion of scripture that Jefferson cut out of his Bible. Maybe he shouldn't have because it records God's response to you and I feeling too insignificant for him to intervene in the details of our life. So read with me Luke chapter one, verse 26 through 33 today as we read God's response. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And I understand that. (laughs) But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of the father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. What? Really? We're supposed to believe that God's response was to intervene in reproduction and to take a teenage virgin girl, make her pregnant to what? Give birth to a a divine baby? I've changed a few diapers in my time. I've never called a baby divine ever. (laughs) Nothing about God's response makes any sense. You know what? That was Mary's response too. In the very next verse, Mary responds here. It's recorded in Luke 134. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now, when we translate from ancient languages, we tend to clean everything up, make it sound so proper. But when I read this scripture, the day version that's going on in my head is Mary going, Yeah, right, Gabriel, get a grip. Did you forget? I'm a virgin, I can't be pregnant. Right? Some people have gone so far with the disbelief as to try and convince people that the story of Jesus' virgin birth was actually made up by the apostles decades later just to make Jesus look more godly, 
You know, that it was just the agenda of God followers trying to make him look better. But the truth is, the first person to record Jesus' virgin birth, yes, he was a God follower, but guess what? His name was Isaiah, and he wrote about it 750 years before it happened. We have his records. We call it the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. And it was written 750 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah 7:14 is this is what Isaiah said. He said, "Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us." Hmm. Really? So Jesus was born of a virgin. Yes. Really? And you know what? The biblical evidence goes far beyond Isaiah. The entire New Testament is a collection of 27 books written at different times in different places and in a lot of cases by very different authors, and yet they provide a consistent and coherent presentation of the biography of Jesus' life and teachings. Furthermore, there is objective evidence from outside of the Bible. There is more than a dozen objective, independent, ancient historians who recorded the events of Jesus' life and his ministry. And they back up and verify that the events recorded in the Gospels are true as they're recorded. Hmm. Yes. Really. F.F. Bruce a professor from the University of Manchester once wrote, some writers may toy with the fancy of a Christ myth, meaning that Jesus didn't really exist, but they do not do so on the grounds of historical evidence. The historicity of Christ is as axiomatic for an unbiased historian as the historicity of Julius Caesar. What F.F. Bruce is saying is this, that there is as much or more proof that Jesus Christ lived and that the events recorded in the Bible about Jesus are 100% accurate as there is of the life of Julius Caesar. And to deny that the Bible's recordings of Jesus's life are not true is akin to denying that Julius Caesar existed even. And the evidence goes on and is specific about his birth as well. It is an absolute indisputable fact that the birth of Jesus Christ, his virgin birth, is the most famous and most influential birth of a baby in the history of mankind. You realize that all of history is split. Mankind, all of mankind has split time calendars in history into two sections, B.C. and A.D. B.C. references a Latin phrase, anti-Christum natum, which means when translated into English, before Christ was born, B.C. And now we have A.D., which references a Latin phrase, Anno Domini Nostri Jesus Christi, 
which means translated into English in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ, what we're saying is every time you sign and date something, every time you turn on the TV and see the number 2017, Anytime somebody asks what year it is and the answer is 2017, what we are saying is that this is the 2017th year of the existence of God with us, of Emmanuel, come to this earth. His birth is literally the worldwide accepted moment we base time off of. And even in his day, his remarkable birth was well known. World leaders followed a star in the sky from countries far away to come and get a glimpse of him as a baby. Shepherds were spoke to by an angel in a field about the birth of him as a baby. One king slaughtered thousands of babies in an attempt to kill Jesus while he was still a baby. His birth was miraculous, all right. His mother knew it. His adopted father knew it. His community knew it. His followers knew it. And guess what? His enemies knew it too. Virgin birth? Yes, really. So that brings us to this question. You might be asking, so what? So it's a nice story. It gives us something to celebrate, but really, does it matter in my life? The answer is yes, it really matters. You see, without the virgin birth, Jesus is just another human being and God is just as distant and uninvolved in our lives as Thomas Jefferson thought. But because of the virgin birth, it means that Jesus was not a common man, but that he is Emmanuel, God with us and that our lives aren't insignificant. It means he didn't leave us to wander aimlessly through this life, but that we have a God who cares about the details of the life of Thomas Jefferson and the life of Dave Johnson, even when he's lying on the bathroom floor, and we have a God who cares about the details of your life right here, right now. Whatever you're going through. Jesus was born of a virgin, but not just to become God with us in a general sense, but he was born of a virgin to become God with you, to become personal in your life. And so the question tonight is, will you allow him to become personal so that you can also call him not just God with us, but so that you can say he is God with me. And that is the big idea. Make Jesus God with me. Now, why do we feel insignificant? Why do we feel like God is distant from us? Well, I want you to know it's not because God has chosen to distance himself from us. It's because we chose to distance ourselves from God. Every human being that ever lived except for Jesus Christ suffered from a problem that the Bible describes as sin. Sin is those decisions we make to go in the opposite direction that God wants us to go. And we knowingly walk this way when God says go that way. And those decisions, those things that we do that we know 
go in opposition to God. They create a distance and a separation between us and God. And that is the distance that we feel. But because of the virgin birth, Emmanuel was born. You see, God's response to our sin was his son. God didn't just send a message. He showed up. He took off the royal robes of heaven, laid them on the throne, clothed himself in human skin and bones, and came to earth through the womb of a teenage virgin girl. He got involved in the messy details of our lives to bridge the distance that we and our sins had put between us and him. John 1, 11 and 12 says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. In other words, to anyone who wants a personal God, he wants to be personal to you. God chose to show his extraordinary wonder and power through an ordinary person like Mary. And now like Mary, we have the chance to make Jesus personal, to make him God with me. So how do we live this out, this God with me? Well, I wanna share with you just a couple of thoughts of how we can live out God with me. First, to make Jesus God with me, spend time in his presence. We sang the song, let us become more aware of his presence. His presence is now available to us because he came to earth to make it so that we could enter his presence whenever we wanted to. We can experience as much of his presence as we want. We do not need to feel distant and apart from him anymore. We have free reign because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for us. We have free reign to enter his presence. And why wouldn't we want to? His presence brings so much blessings into our life. The book of Psalms is literally littered, full of references to the presence of God and what it does for us in our life to make us better. I wanna to read to you just a, a few quick references from Psalms about the presence of God. Psalm 21.6, his presence is a place of unending blessing and joy. Psalm 31.20, a shelter and safe place from human trouble. Psalm 51, 11 through 12, his presence is a place of restoration and renewal through his Holy Spirit. Psalm 101, 7, his presence is a house of absolute truth, a place of freedom from wickedness. Psalm 114, 7, his presence inspires wide-eyed awe at his incredible power. You can never experience too much of God's presence. You can never get too much God with me. So don't be satisfied with where you're at spiritually. Don't be satisfied with how much of God's presence you have had in your life up till now. Listen, I get it. It's scary to, to take steps beyond where we have ever been before spiritually, but I am challenging you tonight. 
I am challenging you tonight to try and go deeper into God's presence than you have ever gone before. God is right here, right now. Whether you're in this room with me or whether you're online on our campus or at a different campus, know that God is right there by your side, right here with us right now. And I challenge you tonight to take a risk. God risked it all for us. Let's take a risk for him and go deeper in his presence than we've ever gone before. Listen, if you're somebody who is very uh, expressional and, and demonstrative in your worship, maybe you need to spend a few more moments quietly in his presence listening to his voice. Maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you prefer to just be quiet. Maybe you've never raised your hands or sung out loud. I wanna encourage you, take a risk. Or maybe for some of you, your step into God's presence is to get off the bleachers and get involved and volunteer to serve. What God is doing in Hagerstown, Maryland and all the communities around us, you need to be a part of it. You need to get involved. So if you're not involved doing something for the kingdom of God, maybe tonight that's the risk you need to take. Whatever it is, I challenge you tonight, take a risk, get, go further in God's presence, become a part of what God is doing. If you go deeper in his presence, it will change you for the better. And that's the last thought that I wanna leave you with tonight. To make Jesus God with me, let him change you. You see, it goes beyond just experiencing his presence, letting him into the details of our life, but actually allowing him control over those details. Mary was faced with God's presence making some serious changes in her life. May we respond the way she did. We're gonna to look to one final scripture tonight, back in Luke chapter one, verse 35 and then 38. Verse 35, this follows on Mary saying, how will this be? I'm a virgin. Verse 35 records this. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. In other words, Mary, you're about to spend some serious time in God's presence and it's gonna make some serious changes in your life. May we all respond the way Mary did in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Oh, don't, don't just gloss over that. Think for a moment, put yourself in Mary's shoes for a moment and understand the magnitude of what she just said. Mary's life was about to get rocked by the changes God's presence was bringing. She did not know yet whether she was going to lose that life she had dreamed of. Would her husband-to-be turn his back on her? Would her community mock her, ostracize her? And yes, would they even stone her to death? for her perceived infidelity. Mary took a leap of faith that went far beyond believing 
in the virgin birth, she took another step that was even tougher, and that was to accept the changes that God wanted to make in her life. Likewise, for us, the hard part isn't believing in God with us, but accepting that he became God with me because we need him to make changes in our life. So I challenge you, make Jesus God with me. He will change you. Invite him into the details. Then give him control of those details. I can promise you, you will not be sorry. And so right now, every single one of us is confronted with the virgin birth. We are confronted with a personal God who wants to be personal to us. He's not distant. God is not far away. He saw our feelings of insignificance. He saw us in those shark-infested waters. He sees you right where you are at with what you are going through. And so in this moment, here in this room and online, I challenge you to let God be God with me. Give him control. He wants to be personal to you. Will you let him be personal with you? And so in just a moment, we're gonna respond. We're gonna respond to God's word in prayer and here's how I want you to personally respond to a personal God whose presence is right here, right now. First, if you've never made him God with me, this is where you begin right now. This is your ADBC moment. You get to make the decision right now. And when we pray in your own words, listen, God's not impressed with fancy language. So in your own words, in your own way, just say, God, I am ready to start a new life with you in it. And this will be your BCAD moment. There will be your life before Christ up till now. And then it will be the years of your life with Jesus Christ involved. And for all of us, I'm gonna ask all of us to take a risk tonight and pray this prayer. Join me, I'm gonna take this risk. I'm asking you to come along and join and take the risk too. And the risk is this, to be willing to say tonight, God, what changes do you want to make in my life right now? What changes? And I want us to take the risk to respond as Mary did. I am your servant. May whatever you want happen just as you say. Will you take that risk and pray that prayer with me right now? Let's pray.
God, first we pray over those who are making that decision right now to let you into their life for the first time, to have that BCAD moment. God, I pray right now as they, in their words, invite you into their heart and into their life, I pray, God, that you would confirm in their life that you are right here with them, that you are a personal God who loves them personally, and that no matter how messy or difficult their life gets, you will be by their side. And for all of us, God, tonight, we set aside our own agendas. We set aside our own thoughts, our own plans, our own futures, and right now, God, in your presence, we're gonna take the risk and lay our lives bare before you and simply say, God, change us as you will. What changes do you wanna make in our lives today? God, we are your servants. Do with us as you will. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.